Guitar Stories Podcast, your number one show for everything guitar. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode number 78 of the Guitar Stories Podcast. Dan, do you always uh, think, like, do you, like that little number one guitar show, that, do you always say that along with it, or, or is it just me? No, no, no. I'm, I usually, I, I just like finish that sentence. And uh, funnily enough, sometimes if I uh, do the, the podcast edit, uh, it it kind of abruptly stops at your number one show, and then it's gone. And this is my favorite That's part, it. right? <laughs> and uh, another yeah, time it, it said your number one show for everything. I can live with that, right? <laughs> I'm good with that. I'm good with that. And I'm sure that our lovely viewers and listeners will agree that we are the number one show for everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> uh, um, uh, speaking of everything, we have some interesting gear picks. This, we, have one, we have one interesting pick of the week this week. Do you oh, want to tease a little bit? Yeah, we have different, that, different, interesting that's picks it. this week. Yeah, that's my that's my tease. Okay, but we also have a great guest, right? We have an absolutely wonderful guest. I can't wait to speak to him. Well, we already have spoken to him. It's you know all this backstage stuff. I never know how to balance backstage with on stage, and that would uh, that would be proven if uh, if you came to my show, my gig last week, which uh, I guess is the biggest news of the week. Thinking about it, yeah. Can you fill us in a little bit more how it went and everything? I had maybe the best show of my life, and I've been playing for 25 years. Wow. It was phenomenal. It was not note perfect. There were mistakes. There were arrangement mistakes. There were lyrical mistakes. I almost fell over at one point. Nay, three times. <laughs> but the energy that we all put into that show, considering the bass player has been in the band for only five rehearsals, and three weeks ago, the drummer almost broke his foot. Mm -hmm. um, and we worked really, 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 really hard at putting on a show. I had one of the best times on stage I've ever had. It was just so much fun. And the people had, there was this, this electric energy. And I was trying to channel like Freddie Mercury and uh, who else? Well, Jimi Hendrix, of course. And um, Keith Richards was on. Steve was doing a great Keith Richards. And I was trying to channel some Mick Jagger and some Joe Cocker. It was yeah, it was truly phenomenal. Everybody played wonderfully, and the feedback was fantastic. And I had a great, great time. That was amazing to hear. You sent a couple uh, snippets, and I got to say, you didn't only channel your you know, inner Keith, um, not Keith Richards, but Mick Jagger. You also channeled your inner Hendrix because your Stratone was amazing. That sounds Thank you. Amazing, really good. Yeah. Yeah, with with two guitars in the band, we had to really separate the tones, and we were both using. Uh, Fender Deluxe Tone Masters at one mm -hmm. point, and Steve was playing a, a, a Tele, and I was playing a Strat. Oh no, I was playing the SG, the, the Maybach SG, this one, just here, the Albatross. Mm. And it wasn't quite right, and we went through several guitar changes and thousands of pedal changes, and I ended up with the Marshall SV20C Plexi Combo with mm -hmm. a Strat at the neck pickup, and it just, mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> I barely had to do anything, it was great. Cool. Did you did you have one of those moments moments where you know everything kind of falls in place and it all clicks? Because this is the part that I enjoy the most when you when you're in the heat of the battle and then all of a sudden you kind of realize now everyone is kind of in the flow and everything is just going effortlessly. It, it, kind of. Yeah. It, it was more like <laughs> um, <laughs> it was more like falling down a hill and not being able to stop yourself and the end of the set was at the bottom. You know. Okay. It was like once we started, it was like okay, that's it now. We're freewheeling. We've got to get to the end of the show now. 
there was that in the zone. People, we we had to have amazing moments. You know, um, what was great as well. My kids were there, and it was a as we started playing, it went from daytime into nighttime, and the, you know, all got dark, and it was really cool to see my kids experience that. You know, and, mm -hmm. and um, because I was dressed up, I had a full show stage costume on. Um, yeah, it was it was it was definitely a show, not just for forty year olds plugging into amps and rocking out. It was, it was, uh, as Steve put it, he didn't expect thirty percent of what happened, which was I thought a specific number. But uh, <laughs> is he an engineer? One? <laughs> uh, well, he worked, yeah, no, no, he's not. But um, he is a very specific person. Okay, thirty five point five. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I had wonderful. So I just want to say to anybody who's playing a show soon or has played shows or is not playing shows at the moment, go play shows. That's the reason we're here. That's the reason we do this. And um, all these wonderful gear acquisitions we have, useless if you don't put them to use. So that is right. Did I tell you about my latest gear acquisition? I believe you sent some photos, but fill us in. No, I didn't. Um, the, the the gear that I wanted to talk about is actually a pedal called the Halo pedal. And right. uh, oh, really? today I received the notification that it's due for tomorrow. And I was oh. so disappointed. I was so, so be, disappointed. I'm going to guess you're going to be the only one on the show tonight that doesn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> you're so mean. You're so I'm looking mean. at one right now, Daniel. Looking at it right there, staring <laughs> at me. Those beautiful knobs and buttons. Uh, uh, yeah, so... We've got Robert Keeley on the show tonight. Uh, absolute, I don't know, legend is, is too strong a word and also too weak a word. You know, it gets banded around yeah. the word legend. But I broke my first pedal thanks to Robert because I was doing the, the Keeley mod on my DS1. So, you know, we go way back, Robert and I, in, in my brain. So <laughs> my skills are nowhere near his. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great show. We've, we've done the backstage banter. It's all set up. The technical side is working. I can't crossed. wait. Let's just say hello to the people in the live chat. Uh, we've got Valeria, of course. We've got Pudinja. We've got Amanda. We've got Tobias. We've got Keith. We've got April. We've got Buzzle. We've got Rick. We've got many. Sarang is here. We've got all, all this chat is going nuts. Milogify. I never know if it's Milogify or Milogify. What do you think? Hmm. Milogify? I don't know. Fill yeah. us in. Yeah, let us know, Melodify. Is it like a log, like wood, or lodge, like logical? Uh, Studio McKeel is also here, as is Fergie in France. If you are listening to the audio version, also welcome to the show. <sighs> Let's Should we do some news? Uh, yeah. Some, some real, real news, not just personal, I did a good show news. Um, <laughs> well, you did a good show, obviously, but of course. Yeah. Uh, before we do, shall we bring Robert in for the news? Because I think this particular piece of news we have is something that Robert would have an opinion on. Do you have any kind of introduction prepared for Robert? Uh, well, I, I can wing it because it's, it's, it's fairly easy. Okay, go yeah. for it. Yeah, so today we welcome Robert Keeley, who is not just, you know, the, the term Godfather of Loud is already, is already taken by Jim Marshall. But he's definitely the godfather of tinkering, the godfather of pedals, and the godfather of great tone. And because tone, we thought it would be great to have him on the show because, you know, Andy's a big pedal guy and I also enjoy occasional pedal. And uh, yeah, it's a privilege to have him on the show. He just created one of the pedals that I've been lusting for, I think, two or three years since the first time that Andy filled me in about the idea. And uh, yeah, it's so cool to actually be able to talk to him and, uh, you know, 
go a little bit deeper into the development of that pedal, about his view on the business side of things as well. And yeah, well, just have him on the show because it's always a privilege to talk to those great guys from our industry. Okay, well then, let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, Robert Keeley. Hello, Robert Keeley. Hello, Hi. folks. Hello, Robert. <laughs> you guys are uh, far too kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if it lasts. We'll see if it lasts. The energy levels are high. Yeah. Uh, Sarang has yeah. said that uh, Robert Keeley is the man who put pedals under every guitarist's feet. If that's not in your bio, Robert, it needs to be. That's a, man, that's a I like that one. one. Sarang, that's, that's great. That's a great one. Yeah, I'll yeah. do that. I'll try to put yeah, a pedal under everyone's foot. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we're going to bring in some news, which is about uh, Andy Mooney, the CEO of Fender, has been talking about parts shortage. And Robert, I'm sure you have some opinions on that. One of the specifics that Andy mentioned was that uh, parts that used to cost 30 cents are now costing $30. Is this something that you can echo? Yeah, there is um, been several instances where uh, parts have exploded in cost. I have one uh, recently where it was 300% um, overnight increase in uh, uh, a D to A converter or an A to D converter, and um, it, it seems that there's a been a there's like a business. Uh, it's almost like scalping where uh, parts distributors, parts brokers are purchasing up the world supply of, you know, one part that uh, Texas Instrument makes and then uh, the whole family of parts. So they buy them up and then they relist them on these uh, parts uh, management uh, procurement type software sites. And they, they list them up there and literally the, the price went in this case uh, for this codec went up from like a dollar fifty dollar eighty to four fifty you know uh <laughs> literally overnight you know and it mm. and uh uh so yeah there's there's cases like that there's cases where uh something you know during covid parts would get stuck in customs and out in the port of long beach or something like that and so there's been a, a lot of cases where um parts have been hard to source or the price has just gone through the, the roof you know if you if you look at vacuum tubes and all kinds of other parts you know it's it's crazy what's happened uh recently for certain so, so is it actually a shortage or uh, is it a shortage because people are buying up these parts and reselling no it, it is a shortage because uh oh i don't recall the exact date but i think it was approximately a year ago um a uh, year and a half ago now, um, there was a, a, a fire at a plant that made uh, codecs for A to D converters and D to A converters in Japan, and um, and so that that caused us to redesign uh, the hydro pedal, which had just been out for I think four months at the time, and had to completely redesign the board because they weren't going to have chips. They they weren't predicting for a whole year, so. I don't oh. even know where they are with that because we had to, we had to move on to a Texas Instruments product. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so wow. um, it it is crazy. So sometimes there are no parts, you know, and uh, so it's crazy. I don't I don't have an example like Fender from thirty cents to thirty dollars. But if if there just aren't any parts, then yes, you know, I've seen pretty outrageous part 
prices for something that should be a couple pennies and it was mm. it was 35 bucks but you know it's you just go well we're not going to use that part anymore we're going to have to redesign and, and come up with an alternate solution so mm. yeah sometimes the parts are crazy for nefarious reasons sometimes you know sure and talking about the redesign of, of a pedal, how much uh, how much additional work it goes into just replacing one part? I mean, it might it might possibly change between how important that that part is. But is there is there a, a rough idea that you can give us how much of additional sure. work that would be? Yeah, for example, like on, on the example I used before, I think I think uh, the product had come out in September, the Hydra or something like that, October, and by December we were hearing of the plant fire and then i think it took us um again i think it took us about four months to get in boards because we had to figure out how to use the new parts in this particular mm -hmm. case the um akm part was a kind of a two-in-one part it did the a to d and the d to a conversion and it was in a single chip so it was a nice elegant simple solution and uh, what we ended up having to go with was independent A to D and D to A converter chips, two different chips, and then, you know, get it to work on our board. So the board was already in the first place. It was it was a challenge for us because it was the, the most complicated, you know, high end thing that we had done at the time just recently, you know, got to that board and that conclusion. <laughs> so it was kind of a drag to have to redesign it right after it came out. So. But those things, you know, you end up turning them around. Um, those, it just, as we move through the halo, um, uh, we started with that board and then, you know, we ended up questioning everything, our, our own existence. And, you know, and and I, I, at one point in time, I kid you not, Creighton had four different versions of the halo board for us to listen to with different grounding schemes and different layout schemes so we could uh study the most minute noises that are generated in in all kinds of circuits but we wanted to see if if any one of these possible ideas you know could lead us to a uh, a better sound and lower noise and um so yeah it's it's kind of crazy <laughs> But it sounds like it's inspiring some necessity for creativity, which must always be good, uh, unless it's you know really really janky. Yeah, it 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 is because uh, work, working with Andy um, and his demanding ears was um, just such a great thing for the company because it 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 all made us uh, struggle so much more to first of all, recognize what it is, then try to hypothesize, you know, what we could do to, you know, create or get rid of that specific element that was bugging him or making him happy. And um, it, it was, it was, so it was quite a challenge, you know what I mean? And, and when we we're mm -hmm. listening, when you're listening to echoes and delays in front of really high gain amplifiers so that you can understand how the two are working together, um, you start hearing all kinds of little noises, you know, and so then you start hunting down all those little problems and, and, you know, it, so it, it, it just got us a lot better at our own job crafting and, and having to go back and try so many things and see, see what worked out best, you know, mm. so it was, it was really awesome experience. Good. Well, we're going to get into the Halo and the Andy yeah. Timmons experience in a little bit, but it's nice to have a little, a little tease, a little <laughs> insight into, 
yeah, choosing parts. I mean, just being being uh, restricted by parts. It's, mm-hmm. it's not as, as widespread as we possibly could have it. Yeah, yeah so- sometimes, sometimes you're months waiting for parts to come in. And I, I, I talked to the other uh, manufacturers and they all described to me how it's uh, uh, focused their, their design directions and product releases in different directions. They're like, oh, we can't build with that part. We can't seem to source that part. So we're gonna release a different type of product you know, until mm-hmm. things get better. It's sure. really odd. Yeah, I, Dan and I, if I, I can speak for us both, we've noticed there's been a, a lack of gear releases. And some of that is the fact that it's summer, but some of that must be because of a, a parts shortage. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. it's difficult to get certain types of microcontrollers. So if you want to have any presets or anything like that, where you're requiring a little teeny microcomputer to help you along, yeah. Um, you could you could be in a world of hurt then because there are lots of shortages of different microcontrollers. Mm-hmm. So, sure. yeah. Did, and Robert, did you have to hold back some some uh, product developments or even product releases due to the shortage of uh, parts? You know, yes, yes, and no. It, it wasn't a, a big delay because we had decided to push back the product for a. a other parts reasons but yeah it actually pushed back the the halo um probably three four months at least you know i think we were going to release it in january and Mm -hmm. then we thought may and then eventually uh june 10th is when it came out so um yeah we 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 definitely had to push stuff around and uh some of the stuff that we're working on right now is ridiculously exciting but uh we've gone through and and we've started to nail down some of the core parts and uh that's been a challenge um so yeah we're it's it's a constant battle right now and it does direct you but i kind of push on my guys a lot in that arena to come up with alternate solutions if we if we truly can't find the part then we'll have to design it a different way and i kind of i kind of famous for nagging about that kind of stuff (laughs) pushing us so that's that's what my job is yeah but I imagine like having the necessity to kind of rebuild or even rethink certain circuits or, or, or you know certain ideas also provides some additional degrees of freedoms in the future, even if the supply situation should be better because you didn't maybe you know make, uh, make decisions not just on availability of, of, of parts and also maybe the price of parts, but also on um, you know the sheer elegance of how it's been designed or even really just like, also the 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 optimal tone that you can get from it and not just like a a good in between costs and and tone oh exactly um because we're, we're trying to push ourselves constantly so it 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 we have the you know we we hope to have the freedom to be able to design you know whatever we can Im- imagine right and uh <laughs> when you come up with part shortages you can either sit around and cry about it or you can try to be creative again and try to push and, and work around, come up with other solutions, but mm-hmm. uh, which usually leads to more discovery and then more inspiration to build cooler sounding stuff. You know what I mean? So it's not all bad. It's, it's just frustrating a little bit along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Having to be patient. I'm, I'm the, one of the most impatient people. So sometimes when we're waiting months for things to happen, it, it yeah. <laughs> can get nerve wracking. <laughs> Reminds me of my boss. He always tells me diamonds are created under high pressure. So, <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> that's that's what uh, happens here sometimes for sure <laughs> you're at right least the shortage is is universal you know it's not just affecting say you robert it's affecting everybody therefore it kind of levels the the playing field a little bit yeah. um unless you yeah. uh, are ahead of the game and are stockpiling stuff but um no we should get into uh, sorry please Oh, no, you're, you're right. Uh, no, we're not in a stockpiling parts position. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, it's been hard to do that over COVID. So, um, no, you just have to be nimble. <laughs> and I see, I see other people like, you know, there's a, a home stereo system like the Sonos stuff. Th those have lots of microcontrollers and the auto manufacturers using a lot of microcontrollers and codecs. And they got stuck because they couldn't afford to or just didn't want to redesign. And, uh, yeah, so it can cause big problems. <laughs> mm. It's it's across yeah. the playing field, like you said. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not just the, the musical instrument world, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah. It's probably now that my TV is going to break. I guarantee it. I, I got a feeling. <laughs> feel oh, no. <laughs> I guess I'll just have to play more guitar. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, this kind of leads us nicely into our picks of the week because uh, Dan's pick of the week this week has a bit of a problem. So, Dan, would you mind going first in this week's pick of the week? Absolutely. Please roll the jingle. Dance, pick of the week. Dance, pick of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I always like to see the guest reaction when we play that. <laughs> hmm. We need to get him uh, on that uh, Waze app. Uh, where he's he's the voice, you know, in a couple of miles, you're going to turn left. <laughs> I've, got, I've got ways. I've got Christina Aguilera as my um, as my guide at the moment. Sweet. Sweet. What was it? Dr. Life? Dan. I, I like taking risks, but not on the road, she says all the time. <laughs> Life, is full of no. Life is full of obstacles, but I'm a fighter. She does all these, all these, um, you know, quotes. Oh, wow. her own songs. I'm sure it's, it can't actually be Christina Aguilera, but, but correct me if I'm wrong. Dan, your, your gear pick of the week, my friend. Yeah, my gear pick of the week is a new amp from Mesa Boogie, and it's been long time in the making. And also, uh, you know, there was some some sort of pause from from the end of Mesa Boogie after being acquired from Gibson. I think they got a they had to restructure some internal things, and now um, they released the first product under new ownership, which is the California Tweed Six V Six Two Twenty, which is a smaller sized version of the original California Tweed, um, as displayed at the moment on the screen. Um, and back in the day when the California Treat got released, it was a rather, I don't know if it's if it's true globally, but I think for Europe, a rather overlooked amplifier that not a lot of people had on uh, on the on their map. But uh, to me, it always felt like it's a a, a great great tone and a, a an amplifier that took pedals pretty well, you know. And back in the day, I was able to f to to play around with with these amps and. Uh, yeah, they sounded great. And now having a multi-wattage version in a smaller, uh, smaller size, I think it's just something that distills all the the essence of of that uh, boogie approach and puts it into a smaller uh, housing. And yeah, I like I like small amps that sound big. And this is uh, I, I can't wait to finally try them out because you know boogie is just like my favorite amp brand. And um, you know having them seen already, you know stopping big. Uh, Big amps like the Lone Star, which is, you know, we've been talking about Andy Timmons previously, one of his, uh, you know, 
basically household amps that he's been referring to for ages. It's interesting to see how Boogie will develop with, uh, with respect to their product releases. And uh, are they going to focus on smaller amps instead of bigger amps? How are they coping with the shortage of parts? And, you know, also now being a part of the Gibson company, it'll be interesting to see how the distribution network will be rearranged, you know. And, um, yeah, I, I sent you a, an image, another image, a third image that was titled Bummer. And uh, this is basically, um, yeah, well, I can, I can just read out. That's a, a reply that Boogie sent on, uh, on, on, on Facebook, I guess, to a consumer who was asking when we can expect new product. And uh, they basically said that they have been sharing with dealers that it looks like it will be early 2023 before they are shipping to Europe again. And I mean, considering that we're now in the mid of 2022, we talk about, you know, at least six months, not, if not longer, until we see a new Boogie product in Europe. And uh, well, yeah, I think that's really a bummer for everyone that's interested in, in trying out one of those new amps. But uh, yeah, the situation is how it is. And uh, I would really like to hear what you guys think about uh, that amp. Is that something that you would like to try out or... Do you prefer yeah, bigger what's the price on it then? I'm not sure. I I can figure that out. Okay, Probably. Figure that out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to tell because usually the the export prices were much higher uh, for boogies uh, than the, the 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 U.S. prices. So you you know a boogie in in Europe is a boutique amp, whereas in in mm. the States it's like a bread and butter amp. You know, so. At the end, when when we kind of when we had the distribution still with uh, Boogie distribution still the company, we were talking about two grand for a four by twelve. Yeah. I mean, that's that's insane, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I I really want to try the amp. Um, I, I've played <laughs> only a few Mesa Boogies in my life. It's one of the amp brands that I really haven't gone that far, uh, that near to because they were considered boutique, uh, even to the point where a friend of mine flew to America. Uh, bought one and brought it home on a plane because it was far cheaper to do that <laughs> than actually buy one locally uh, yeah. and then have it i think he had to have the the transformer you know re refitted um but yeah I, I love small amps i love small wattage amps that you can crank i love them when they, when they stay clean and i'm hoping that mesa boogie continues to be mesa boogie after uh, the gibson acquisition mm -hmm. i got to play on that um a Lone Star quite a bit. We have a Lone Star here that I've had for, for years. I got from Mesa uh, at the NAMM show. I got the Lone Star. And uh, I've had a couple other ones too. And uh, the Lone Star is a fantastic empire. It's got a lot of flexibility and a lot of uh, options for setting the power and things like that too. I know that uh, Andy was uh, talking about uh, playing uh, uh, the new uh, California ones. And I don't think I, I don't think I got a chance to listen to him at his house. I listened to plenty of uh, Lone Stars <laughs> at, at his house, and but I, I love six V six tubes. Those are those are probably my favorite. So yeah, I I, I haven't heard one of the new ones myself yet either. Yeah, it's six V six is is again bread and butter. I think Dan Dan said yeah. or home homegrown or something. But yeah, six V six is a that and the L thirty fours for me. That, that's that's pretty much all I need. Um, the two yeah. the two sides. I don't go too high gain, so um, that does it for me. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a solid pick, Dan. Did you did you work out any pricing? Yeah, uh, they they are around two k. So we talk about eighteen fifty US dollars for the head, 
two grand for the ten by uh, one by ten, and uh, the one by twelve is twenty one hundred. Okay. But so is it, here's, a, here's the interesting part. They they say that uh, foot switch not included, which definitely should at that <laughs> price point. Four hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> switch authentic. Yeah. Switch authentic. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes sense. I mean, I know people complain when you don't get a foot switch with amps and stuff, but I know that I have probably six or seven foot switches lying around somewhere that would switch an amp. Oh. So, and also I would probably keep the, 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 the boogie foot switch safe so that if I ever wanted to sell the amp, it would look new. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just a switch. It's just, you know, it's just yeah. a switch. It'll yeah. do it. Okay. Um, then I think because Robert has a very interesting pick this week, I think I'll go next, Robert, and then we can talk about your pick uh, thirdly and finally. My it's pick right. uh, this week will come shortly after my <clears throat> amazing jingle. Andy's pick of the week. Revitalized now. Right. <laughs> my pick of the week is a pedal. It is a, a new Univibe with a reverb. It's the Univerb from J Rocket. And um, there's a little picture if you're watching the video version on screen, but I have it in my hand because hey. they sent me one to make a review of it. And I did make a review. It's going online tomorrow, so I won't really say much about my thoughts on the pedal, but I will say that I had a jolly good time playing it. And um, I wish I could have used it at the live show last week, but I couldn't because people were posting social media stuff and the pedal was only released uh, yesterday. So okay. I couldn't risk it. I didn't want to get in trouble. Not not that many gear leakers come to Upper Austria uh, to a small village <laughs> festival and um, and try to leak gear, but it could have happened. I didn't want it to happen to Jay Rocket. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a Univibe and a reverb in one. Uh, it's does the chorus vibrato thing that you'd expect and it also has a digital um, chip spring thingy in it uh, it's got it's not a phaser it is a univerb uh, a univibe sorry it has got the the light uh, inside it's quite expensive because because it is quite expensive but things <laughs> things are expensive at the moment which i know robert will back me up on, on this but i've been going through a spate of choosing expensive pedals uh, I was about to say that's like wow again. <laughs> it's it's five hundred and twenty nine euros, <laughs> which is a lot of money, and I won't give away too much about what I what I'm saying in the in the review video. But I will say that my favorite settings are when you can barely know that it's there because it's just adding that <laughs> that that firstly the reverb, but the, what the univibe side of it when it's barely there but when you turn it off you, you get all disappointed because it's gone that that's mm -hmm. that sound that mm -hmm. i really enjoy and then also yeah. of course the, the machine gun sound as well but um but yeah uh that's my pick of the week and i will accept that it is expensive but for the people that need something like that need is a strong word people that want something like that it's a good choice so it's an analog uh univibe and then what kind of what kind of reverb is it like a is it a fv1 spin reverb is it a, a belt and brick it's, reverb it's the it hang like on it? i'll show you all right 
<laughs> Look at this. Because I took it apart, and it's also the same one that's oh, in this pedal. Yeah. Uh, it's the Accutronics Digilog Reverb BTDR2H, which is also in the Kaleidoscope from Jupiter Effects. Yeah. Um, and I lo what's weird is that I recognized it because I love this kaleidoscope from Jupiter Effects. It's beautiful. The reverb is gorgeous. And I plugged mm -hmm. the Univerb in and I said, I know, I know that, that sound. Yeah. And I was <laughs> right. And I, I'm genuinely <laughs> shocked. Pleased with yourself. Yeah, a little, a little <laughs> bit too pleased, maybe. I, I had to call Chris Jupiter that made the Jupiter pedal and <laughs> ask him. <laughs> but yeah, uh, great universe, great experience. You know when you just have a pedal and it's a wonderful, beautiful experience that is fun and you just know that you're going to be playing that for a long time. Yeah. That's my experience with that pedal. 529 euros. <clears throat> All right. Prices are going up, huh? Prices yeah, are going up. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll surely get into that in a bit. Uh, Buzzle says 400 oh, unfinished bridges says 449 US dollars. If you're talking about the mm -hmm. Univerb, that would that would be good. Maybe there's an import uh, thing going on, bringing it to Europe. Well, we got parity at the moment between the US dollar and Euro. So basically, mm -hmm. if it's a US product, it will always be much more expensive than the US retail because you got to add like shipping costs and taxes and import and everything. It's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah 449 brand new on Reverb. Okay, well, I'm interested to know how I'm going to fare in uh, best pick of the week this week. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious. Actually, can I make a point that you can actually purchase two of these guitars over there in the background for that one pedal? Yeah. That's a good point. You, you could buy an entire rig for 529 yeah, euros. Without, yeah, if, if you don't go for the most expensive uh, stuff, you could buy a pretty decent rig, yeah. Absolutely. But J Rocket are not trying to build a budget pedal. They're not trying to compete. Of course. Yeah, they're, of course. they're building something that sounds like something Andy Timmons would play, for example. You know, not mm -hmm. you're not necessarily gonna need it at a bar gig, you know, on the weekend. Mm. Yeah. But I'd want it. I mean it's it's about two hundred dollars or so, two hundred and twenty five dollars per effect. So That's know, true, yeah. That's true. Univibes, especially analog uh, univibes, are usually quite a bit more pricey. So, hmm. exactly, it is. Um, another one came out from I want to say Copper Sounds or something like that. Cornerstone, sorry, Cornerstone. Another univibe came out from Cornerstone this week. Um, hmm. I haven't played that one, but uh, I saw that. I saw that knocking around. I wonder so, how much that one is. So on that note, do you think we have reached some sort of price? peak i don't want to steal your ideas previously but that we discussed previously but do you think like there's a, a threshold where a pedal is hardly sellable because it's just too expensive or is it just like is there always a market for pedals like that me yeah <laughs> oh shoot no i don't i don't know i'm probably not the best person to ask for that because i'm i'm a pedal junkie so <laughs> i don't i don't know there's there's prices that are less favorable than other prices but <laughs> when you're when you're searching for a certain sound or a holy grail sound you know what i mean or some understanding you know you can you can ask josh scott you can lay down some coin for a pedal <laughs> True. <laughs> i True. i think i i'm doing some i was on a hunt for some nobles odrs and next thing you know i had the price of a new car in a on a countertop <laughs> you know what i mean Whoa. 
I think I think those original nobles are going for a thousand dollars a piece yeah. now, and then, you know, I was I was hunting some some other uh, guitar effects at the same time, and I was like, wow, I could get a I could get a used car for this. <laughs> <laughs> I have to keep track of these pedals. <laughs> you can get a hold of you, man. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. one thing I didn't mention about the Univerb is there's an effects loop in between the the vibe and the reverb which is super handy because you can throw oh, okay. a drive in there uh -huh. um, yeah. and that kind of changes everything. I, I missed that out. Sweet. Okay, um, let's move on to our third and final pick of the week, which comes from our wonderful guest, Mr. Robert Keeley. Robert, what did you choose, my friend? For my pick of the week? Yes. I I'm going to pick vacuum tubes. I'm going to pick RCA <laughs> vacuum tubes. Is I, I, a little stale, maybe 50, 60 years old, but... Um, I, <laughs> let me tell you these these uh these tubes here are delicious mm, so some, some tongue these are there. some yeah these are some 1950s not to be confused with the ones that uh new sensor corp is sending out these are some jans i think these are 1962 ish oops i'm trying to get my spatial dimensions going there I, I can put you um, just there there you go yeah perfect and then um got some nothing nothing is works as well as an american an old american um 12 at7 um they seem to be going they seem to go bad in fenders all the time you know so mm. whenever you get a fender in um it's it's always a good thing to check the 12 at7 in it but uh, I also got some fabulous German ones, these Siemens. Uh huh. Yep. And uh, these are these are some great six L sixes. So I was going to put this in in a twin, a hundred watt mm. twin with master volume and JBLs. I was going to put that uh, that in in the, that quad in in there. So my pick my pick of the week is a good old uh new old stock um vacuum tube <laughs> you know what i mean i'll take french ones i'll take british ones i'll take american ones you know yeah. they're all they're all fantastic so that's well, my can i ask week. like how yeah. much how much money are we talking for the things you just had in your hand okay well these <laughs> these i'm kind of showing off because okay. these these uh very old ones were probably about between 125 and uh so a piece i think about 125 a piece um you can you can easily spend 250 dollars on a on some of these guys a piece now and if you get some telefunken tubes the uh you know if they got a diamond on the bottom and they're this kind of plate uh you can spend a thousand dollars for right. a triode yeah so yeah <laughs> there, but, <laughs> that's insane but there there is there is good news okay. if you if you get on there and you search you can find uh vacuum tubes that were made in the 80s usually they're like phillips and uh maybe some ge and you can find some american tubes in the 50 dollar price range so i know that that is a lot of money but um it's been my experience that they can last 40 or 50 years and, and still be in wow. great shape. So 
you know, some those American tubes, certain, especially like, again, like I was saying, like with the 12 AT seven in, in the phase inverter position, those, those things are just great to have an American tube in there and $50 instead of replacing, you know, it for $20, three or four times probably comes out about the same, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's a, I don't know. They're, they're expensive, but to me, they're worth it. You know what I mean? They just sound a little bit better, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? How much better? That's the question we've just had in the, in the chat. Like, does not NOS stuff sound better? Is it, is it, you know, in my, pers- I mean, if, if I were to try to put a number to it, I would say maybe 10% better. Maybe, maybe it's, it's between zero and 10%. You're like, man, that sounds creamier. I would definitely, uh, prefer to listen to that type of distortion, that fizz, that edge on the distortion, uh, with this American tube being a little softer, a little rounder, and uh, maybe more complex even. And then you put another tube in there, and it it might distort at the same amount. It might, but it might have more noise, and uh, just be a little harsher sounding. So, mm-hmm. but it's not worlds apart. Not always. Only rarely have I seen where I'm like, wow, that was, that's an amazing difference. You know, that, that, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's usually on the small scale, hmm. you know, I think 10% is, is quite a large number. That's yeah. That's, yeah. That's I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's noticeable. It's noticeable. You know what I mean? So at least 10% <laughs> better. I wonder how it compares like to, if you bought like a $50 overdrive compared to like say a $400 overdrive, you know, you can get these real basic cheap pedals that are, cloned and, and built somewhere cheaply or get an expensive hand-built thing i wonder what that kind of ratio is in comparison hmm good question <laughs> you know sometimes <laughs> people can build you know pedals inexpensively and they sound great because you know they sound great <laughs> you know yeah. there's just the electronic parts in there produce a you know a distortion sound that's that's not that hard to 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 make so you know, you can spend 150 or 300 dollars on a distortion pedal, and they might be identical. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, the on the tubes thing, it's again they're they're supposed to both be say an amplifier with a say a gain of 100, so they should be performing a similar job. So these are you know slight tonal characteristics. So like if you compare, you know, a tube screamer with you know um, uh, a few mods to it just the smallest a number of mods and now it sounds worlds different than the original so you know fifty dollars worth of mods it can make a huge change in the sound and so it's kind of hard to compare that with a vacuum tube you know the the dollar to to tone difference type of <laughs> price because you can change a 10 cent part in a pedal and make it sound you know really bassy or you know what i mean or something mm, like yeah. that and you can't do that with a tube you know they, they, they don't have, you know, they shouldn't have overwhelming bass differences. You know, it, it should be uh, pretty similar, you know. Hmm. So. Wow. And, uh, just just one question. Where do, where do you source those, those old kind of tubes? Uh, yeah, where where exactly? Where exactly do you source them? <laughs> well, in this particular case, I've, I've had a great time looking at uh, the Tube Depot recently. But over time, there's a place called KCA. NOS tubes. And I think there's the tube store in Canada. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of my friends on the forum uh, were telling me about about that place up in Canada. 
And uh, I used to, I used to get a lot of them on eBay. There used to be, but, but now it's, it's, it's uh, much more junk up there now, but, uh, and you used to be able to go to military surpluses. I mean, just, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you used to be able to go to military surpluses and bid on boxes of, of tubes that, um, you know, so I, I just have a, I have a tube collection that I've been, uh, nursing <laughs> for for a couple decades. So, <laughs> if you were if you were to put that in the number, how many tubes are we talking about? If you, if you I have got a tube hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of tubes, maybe. I've got, I don't know. I think I have like say ten moving boxes, moving containers full of of old NOS tubes. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. So, so retirement I, sometimes, program. sometimes I've bought yeah. them because I wanted to do a project. Like for example, there's, uh, I have a bunch of, uh, RCA six K sixes. That's not a very common tube. A six K six is used in the fender reverb tanks. Mm. And so I have got a huge collection over a hundred of these 1950s RCA six K sixes that are brand new, you know what <laughs> I mean? And I'm ready to make a killer, you know, spring reverb you know actually i, I want to make it a spring reverb and a digital reverb like a digital halo reverb or something Ooh, so that you can nice. choose whether you have a dsp reverb or the spring or you can combine them you know in one sort of sit on top of the amp type of uh, unit so you'd have a little you know the ability to control it with midi or something like that just throw it over the top but i would like something like that so, I'm sure that a lot of people really would fun. like that as well, right? Definitely, <laughs> a lot. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, then, uh, gentlemen, we do a little thing. All, now, all, all kinds of. Uh... Sorry. Yeah. Exactly. We we do a thing called buy, borrow, or burn now, and because we've had three choices, we play this little game where we take those three choices, and each one of us has to decide which one of those things we would buy, which one of those things we would borrow and which one of those things we would burn. And we play it in the live chat as well. And because there's three, you have to choose Buy, one borrow, one. or burn. Buy, yep. borrow, or burn. So I won't, put, I won't push you to go first. Um, people in the chat, if you've got questions for Robert, by the way, we'll be going to your questions very, very soon. I would like to know what you would buy, borrow, or right. burn this week. So we've got, um, we've got my Univerb pedal. We've got Dan's Mesa Boogie amp, and we've got Robert's NOS tubes. Um, let us know in the live chat what you're what you're going to buy, borrow, or burn, and um, we'll uh, we'll have a little guess, shall we, Dan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's time to buy, borrow, or burn. Buy, borrow, or burn. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to guess for Dan, so I'll go first. Okay. Dan, right. I think that you would buy the Mesa Boogie amp. I think you would borrow Robert's tubes to put in there and try them, and I think you would therefore have to burn the universe. <laughs> I don't have to think too hard about that. It's spot on. Spot on. Pretty clear. Yeah. Pretty yeah, clear. Yeah. I'm prepared to lose this week. <laughs> and the, the explanation was also was also perfect. All right, now I get for Robert, okay? So Robert would buy the tubes 
just because you know he wants to add more to his collection and experiment more and create some some even more exciting products in the, in the near future. Um, he would probably borrow the the California tweed and have Andy Timmons come over and play it in in his house, and he mm. would borrow the pedal because he probably has hundreds <laughs> of pedals laying around. He doesn't need another one from another company. How is that, Robert? <laughs> well, isn't he supposed to say I should burn the pedal so I can make it again? I think I mean, burn the pedal. The... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think you got it right. I, I would burn the pedal so I'll just go back in the shop here and make another one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you make another one. So, yeah, I'd burn the halo <laughs> so I could go back and get another one. But I would definitely borrow the um, the Univerb. I, I think that's a cool idea. I, I like uh -huh. the way it looks, okay. too. I like that case, okay. as a matter of fact. It's a pretty cool case they had. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, they made their own case for that, huh? Yep. Yeah, J-Rocket cases, uh, it is like a standard J-Rocket case, but it's a, a double width one. So yeah, I, I love J-Rocket stuff. I've got a lot of yeah. time for them. Nice stuff. So did, we, did Dan get close, Robert? So you would borrow the Univerb? So. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And burn. <laughs> wait, oh, wait. I don't know. No, I, I, I guess... I can't remember what I do with the California tweet. I guess I got confused, but yeah, uh, <laughs> so I'm not sure. <laughs> As a guest, you can you can you can borrow both. The, okay, the, I'll the borrow California both. Tweet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, Push, pushing the boundaries here, Daniel. But I'm fine helping with me it. out. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so um, let's go to the live chat. The live chat. We've got Michael would burn the authentic amp. Sorry, Dan. Buy the NOS tubes for speculation and borrow the J Rockets pedal. See another Fergie scalper, in France. Right? Another <laughs> scalper, exactly. Yeah. Fergie in France would buy the Mesa, borrow the tubes to try in the Mesa, and sadly burn the Univerb. So Fergie in France is uh, in the same camp as Dan. Mm -hmm. Paul Crane would buy the pedal, borrow the valves, and burn the amp. Nice, Paul Crane. Good choice. Well done. <laughs> um, Buzzle would burn the J Rocket. It's too ex too expensive. Borrow the Mesa and buy the NOS tubes to try out in his amps. There you Amanda, go. Amanda would buy the amp, borrow the pedal, and burn the tubes because maybe fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty creative. There you go. Yeah, that's a that's a, a Canadian creativity there from Amanda. E exploding Thank you, Amanda. vacuums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, then, uh, where we got, we've got Studio Camille would buy the tubes, borrow the Univerb and burn the Mesa Boogie because of the lack of the foot switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Wonderful. a deal breaker for sure. Yeah, it's a deal breaker. Yeah. Uh, Valeria. Uh, I'm, I didn't, yeah, I can't put them on screen for some reason, but what did okay. Valeria choose then? She said, buy all the tubes, uh, borrow the boogie just because I'm curious about the play authentic side of the force and burn the univibe. Sorry, Andy, she ran out of options. Darn it. By default, I've lost. Yeah, kind of. But I think you got you to kind of settle on more affordable amps a little bit because these amps lately have been so expensive. I mean... Do you mean pedals, Dan? Yeah, pedals. What did I say? Yeah. Amps? No, no. Amps, I, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I meant pedals, yeah. These are so expensive lately. Sorry, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't help it. I'm not going to talk and worry about the price of our, our pedals. I've been uh, afraid of this inflation for for quite a while, hmm. and uh, kind of 
armchair predicting that it was going to go out of control like this. I thought that when when people weren't complaining about the prices going up in the very initial stages of COVID, when there'd be shortages of, I don't know, toilet paper or what have you, I and and no one complained. That, you know, we had too many things to focus on uh, up besides the price increase at that point in time. And I thought, now nah, this is too quiet. I think this is going to just allow rampant price increases. And I, I still haven't seen anything that's ever going to tame it back. One of you guys was asking, do you think the, the max prices occurred with pedals? And uh, I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so at all. I, I can't see an end to this inflation yet. So mm. it is kind of scary because uh, it, it eventually uh, then it causes a recession. So it's kind of mm. gloomy. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, I, there is I, a ceiling. I, I, yes. And so I, I don't, uh, I don't want to push pedal prices higher. I, I kind of like having them in this affordable thing where they're kind of like a drug and you can just get, you know, maybe a pedal or two a year or three or four. So I don't want to see them, I don't want to see them, you know, get too expensive. I got to have it, you know, <laughs> you know, Robert, the pro professional yeah. dealers, professional exactly. dealers, they, they give the first one for free and then you're addicted, That's right. right? That's right. That's why I started with mods. They were only 50 bucks, you know, and pedals were a hundred bucks. So I was like, Hey, I can get people hooked on this a little cheaper. Yeah. Well, apparently Robert, there is a story of you doing exactly that thing. Um, right. We've got a, a, um, a message in the chat from studio Camille, who was at GitCon, If you remember the GitCon event. Oh, I uh, absolutely Germany. do. I was just talking about GitCon uh, with uh, Hans Peter, Hans Peter and his son, uh, Nicholas were just mm -hmm. here uh, last Friday. I went out oh, to wow. dinner with oh, wow. They came all the way from, yeah, Mark Neukirchen, Germany. And yep. they, they visited a bunch of places and they stopped in here, had that most absolutely wonderful time with them. And uh, so I do remember GitCon. You were there? Uh, I, was the, I was there. Andy I was, was not. But yeah. the super chat, we had a super chat from Mikhail. So thank you for the super chat. He sent us five. Oh, euros. Memphis Sun is always on my board. Still grateful. Thank you so much. Sweet. Yeah, but he says that you gave all GitCon volunteers a free choice pedal. I so did. Said, I love the first one. I is love free. giving stuff away. Yep. <laughs> How funny. Great. You're so yeah. right. Yeah. I, I, I like giving stuff away. Can we can we just take a moment to to appreciate that uh, Warwick uh, turned forty years this year, so they have their fortieth anniversary. So bringing bringing basses to the stages and to the music shops for forty years now, I think it's a great achievement in in you know that fast paced industry. Mm -hmm. So yeah, applause to them. Applause Absolutely. is right. Yep, they de they deserve it. Forty years. Mm -hmm. One year younger than me. <sighs> Such hmm. a young company. <laughs> yeah so um we've got questions for robert in the chat if you've got them throw them in the chat now and i will put them on a little i see there's all kinds of people and... up here i recognize i i, I don't know if i cool. see them in the chat but i see justin prince and i saw um gunner Harmon. he's a friend of mine and uh brett hume i think and yeah we've got all right uh, there's all kinds of people yeah, lots of people I recognize that I've seen on other channels as well. So welcome uh, to this channel. Welcome. Hope you stay. Hope you have fun and, you know, kick off your shoes and put your feet up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, Robert, firstly, we didn't really say it, but thank you so much for coming on the show. You, you genuinely are 
one of the main people that we wanted to get on the show for a long time. And um, we really, really well, appreciate thank your you. time. Oh, I appreciate uh, being able to come on here and talk. Um, in, in my own little world in Oklahoma, it, it's, it's, it's a magical experience here at the company because all we do is tinker around with either building pedals or building new sounds. And, and the, you know, so it's, it's great. It's a, it's a nice environment. The new factory is not even a year old, so it's still got the new car smell. And, uh, (laughs) so, you know, as long as you're, as long as you have parts arriving on time, everything else is, has been gravy. Yeah. That's good to hear. (laughs) Smooth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess we should really get into before Dan gets too itchy. We should talk about Andy Timmons and the Halo pedal, because oh, yeah. uh, as I've shown, I have one right here. Um, mm-hmm. Robert, you sent it a, a, about a couple of weeks ago for me to do a video, and I have plugged it in and I have played through it, and I lost hours. So thank yeah. you very much for getting me deeply in trouble because I should have been doing responsible things and um, I knew I wasn't <laughs> making the video immediately. Yeah. But it, it's just one of those pedals where there's so much going on, but yet everything is so much fun and you can create layers and you can try and pretend to be Andy Timmons. And um, yeah. Oh, I've got a confession to make. Can I make a confession? <laughs> of course. Yes, sir. Robert, I watched the Sweetwater video you did with Aaron and Andy. Yeah. Um, and then I went out and bought a black denim jacket, just like Andy Timmons wore in the video. <laughs> you know what? I've noticed that black denim jacket, too. It does look so good on him. And uh, not only have I thought about getting a black denim jacket, I didn't go all the way, but I did buy the guitar. I got an Ibanez <laughs> just like oh, sweet. I had him sign it. So, okay. you know, yeah, yeah, there's there's so much to like about Andy, including the black jacket. That is a fact. He's he's a sharp dresser, <laughs> good yeah, guy. His, his name alone is 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 worth it. Yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> it, it has been a lot of fun. Yeah, can you take us a little bit on 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 the on the journey of how that pedal came about? Because I think, if I re- recall correctly, he, you've been talking with him about the idea and kind of what what you could do in in you know facilitating people to get his tone, basically. I think he called it give him give him the keys to the to the to the treasure chest or to the castle or to the kingdom or or something like that uh where maybe other musicians would have said ah no 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 I want to keep my secrets but he was very much embracing the thought that his idea of a good tone would be accessible to everyone else out there in the community that are you know most often chasing his tone so how did how did the whole collaboration came about with him yeah um Daniel Steinhardt uh got us together and daniel uh uh said hey robert would would be a pretty good person to uh work on his team is uh capable of making some sounds and so we were introduced and i think it was about uh three three and a half years ago at, mm-hmm. at a nam show and um about two and a half years ago uh one valentine's day time frame a few years back three years back uh andy came up to drove up to Oklahoma and uh, we put him up overnight and we thought we were going to demo him uh, what we could do with our echoes pedal at the time and see what we needed to do to um, get it closer. Cause our, my initial thought was, okay, he's wanting this 
um, dotted eighth note into a quarter note type delay sound. And we were having a lot of fun at the time with the echoes pedal um, and this flanged delay sound. So we were getting things to sound pretty good. He came up and um, it, it was it was amazing watching him play and how familiar he i mean how comfortable he was with his sounds and how different uh, our pedal sounded when we mocked up a, an echoes that was my recollection is like wow that's that's kind of interesting because we're we're n nowhere close <laughs> you know what okay. i mean we don't have it's 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 not happening and um it was like wow that, that's a lot to think about with that modulation and then Pretty much right after that, it, it, it kind of collapsed because uh, I had some issues with, with my the old heart and I uh, had to get it rewired for true bypass. And uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> Andy doesn't know anything about all the trials and tribulations, but he's like, um, hey, I thought we were going to work on a pedal together, you know. Uh, you know, let me know what's up. And I'm like, holy cow, I have totally blown that off and haven't been thinking about it at all. Uh, let me get my guys on this and see what we can do. And um, th so the one thing that we got from that initial meeting, and the reason I bring it up that three years ago, is he shared with us what he had come to at that point in time after decades of searching for the right delay sound. And that was uh, kind of built into these secret settings he had on his Strymon timeline. And so it was at that point in time that we got his settings uh, on the timeline that um, were as far as he had gotten with his halo sound. And that's, you know, taking the memory man and all kinds of other tape delays and, and things like that. Uh, and then eventually getting to the point where he was using that Strymon. And um, so we were armed with, you know, what we were, you know, what the goal was to, to reach that, that sound that was in there. And, and it, it honestly took us, um, I think the programming and stuff like that took the, the better part of a year to, um, okay. analyze, you know, what, what they were doing to make it sound so good. Cause Strymon products sound great. You know what I mean? And, um, understand enough about it and how to create it that we could then manipulate it and get close even closer to what andy wanted and that's what we spent a good six months on uh tracking down every nuance to the sound it, every every oddity of noise that might because there's lots of analog and digital circuits in here all on top of each other so we we got to you know hunt down everything because his ears are really really fantastic he knows he knows exactly what he's listening for he knows what he's striving for and he knows what makes him feel comfortable and he's very emotional player so um uh, he's just really in tune with it so you you have you have to you know really focus on on listening to the exact things that he's listening to and then trying trying to make sure that the engineers hear uh, what direction they need to go in. So it was, it was a, a very complicated and, you know, time consuming type of project, but it, every time we would take a, he would come up or we'd go down there. It was um, literally the arm, on, the hair on your arms coming up and, and just ecstatic high fives because 
once you'd get another part of the sound down and uh he was like you know he switched away from from this from the Strymon timeline and, and ran ours from then then on and uh that's that's pretty exciting you know <laughs> to to you know help a, a guy that's been searching for the perfect delay sound in his mind for decades and he's like yeah this is this is it you know and uh and you could tell in his playing at least i could tell in his playing that he was you know composing and writing around it or it, you know or feeling it so much that it was inspiring you know mm -hmm. play so <laughs> it was a it was an amazing process pedal pedal development doesn't usually go like that at all you know it's 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 uh, also noisy and painful but <laughs> in a different <laughs> way <laughs> you know uh, aren't all births i guess yes exactly <laughs> it is it is 100 percent like a birthing <laughs> Again, to refer to the, the Sweetwater video that you're in uh, with Andy and Aaron, you can mm -hmm. really tell that Andy is, is truly behind that pedal and inside that pedal as well and in front of it. You know, he, he's not just, uh, there's no second where I thought that man is just trying to sell a pedal. He is solving mm -hmm. a problem or that rather the pedal is solving his problem. And he was just really, really enjoying it, making music with it. It was wonderful mm -hmm. to watch. I recommend everybody goes to watch the Sweetwater video. Uh, yeah. It's brilliant that's that's exactly the case is that's what's so fun working with him continuously on this is that he is he's not really a salesman but he's the best at talking about the pedal because it's like an extension of what he's always wanted mm -hmm. so he's like yeah here it is <laughs> this is exactly <laughs> how i you know start making music <laughs> yeah so i have a question actually yeah. about that video uh, did you really go down the slide at sweetwater i did if you watch all the way at the end there if you watch at the I, end i i didn't see I the didn't, end video believe it or not i at the very 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 last couple seconds it's like a bloopers outtake and it shows me going down filming it too <laughs> okay it's that's what i'm gonna do when we finish the show go and watch you go wee. yeah brilliant um something dan and i were, were throwing around as we were planning for this show i say planning sending random whatsapp messages um there's a, a very famous pedal you do with dan and mick from that pedal show called the d and m drive mm -hmm. which correct me if i'm wrong is like a blues breaker style drive and a con style drive yep that's right um, no 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 it's actually um an ocd style oh. on the left side and then the clon style on the right side mm, right okay <clears throat> yeah Okay, so, so we've got the, the basic concept is you've got Dan's side and Mick's side, and you've got the, as you said, OCD mm -hmm. uh, and the clon. We thought yes. it would be fun if, um, if we made a, a D and A pedal, a Dan and Andy pedal, uh, just oh, in the it. show, you know, some, some kind of concept. Uh, and Dan and I haven't spoken about it, but we were going to talk about what our sides would be. And um, if you're in the chat, and if you could make a, a, a pedal that would have two separate pedals that then Robert could build, what would it be? And if we had a Guitar Stories podcast double pedal, um, Dan, do you, do you have any thoughts on, on your sides? Your side, sorry? My side? Um, that's a tough one. Um, my side, I'm, I'm always a big fan or have been a big fan of those kind of lush and fat tones that you can you know use as a as a nuance to your overdrive tone so you just put it on top um so some, some sort of like a f really fat and singing 
lead tone that you know you can also use if you just want to fatten up a, a rather clean signal but it really shines when it comes on top of, of a already slightly distorted uh, signal so i think that would be something that would my would be my bread and butter you know so what, you, what would that be based on if you could name like an existing pedal that does that <laughs> That's a tough one. Uh, one of the one of the pedals. I'm not. I'm not sure uh, if, if that would fit the bill, but uh, probably something like a BB preamp from Exotic. Mm -hmm. okay. Something so like that. Another Andy Timmons pedal, then. No, no, no. Like the regular one. I mean, he oh, has a signature one. one. The regular one. He had. A, he had a signature one back in the day that was slightly different from a circuitry, but like the original BB preamp. Um, I think that would be something that I always found useful. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would probably be my side of things here. Would you would yeah, you go for something less uh, less conventional? Uh, I would want to go for some really nasty angry fuzz. <laughs> um, what a surprise! Yeah. <laughs> what a surprise! Um, so we're talking, but something that's that could do like um, big muff, but something with the, the op amp big muff because you know you can get those mids back and be heard in a mix. But also something maybe DS1, so that kind of area, maybe a little ratty also. Just something that could go nice and angry, but also you could back off and, and get some, some sweet, sweet lead tones as well. Hmm. Uh, but maybe has a switch that goes from, you know, uh, polite to uh, socially <laughs> unacceptable. Sweet. Right. I, I want to see these exactly on the dial, right? Polite, yeah. socially <laughs> polite, unacceptable. Socially unacceptable. And also, I think what the pedal definitely should have, and I hope you would agree for your side of uh, of the DNA pedal as well, would be to have uh, knobs that you can kind of push down. You know, you can lock them in the pedal so they like stand. Like the tone lock. Yeah. Like the tone locks, so they stand out because you know if you have a sturdy pedal with with that kind of construction, it will just you know stand the test of time and and just last forever. I love the tone lock uh, series. I love the fact that you can push the switches in. It's yet another thing that I can fiddle with. So absolutely, yes, uh, I would want them on there. You guys don't care whether they they break that whole switching mechanism. Does it? Tone locks it? I I think I think it's probably more prone to failure than not. But okay, know. I think it's more prone to failure also. However, I've got several tone lock pedals that have definitely never been well played, and they're not broken. So good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hear you on that one, but I've picked up some cheap Ibanez pedals that are still fully functional. So yeah, that, that, that <laughs> talk about TS10 right? is pretty good. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting to see that, to get that kind of, uh, perspective from a, from a pedal builder that a, a, uh, unique selling proposition back in the day that was, that was, you know, meant to kind of convey that they, these are built to last forever. It's actually something that's not necessarily the case right because construction yeah. is less prone to to breakage that's <laughs> interesting well I, i've just i've fixed a, a lot of stuff in the past and uh anytime there's a mechanical point that's going to be the almost the first failure and okay. then the power supply then the power supply is next so <laughs> you know if it's if it's moving around and swinging around it's probably going to break is <laughs> yeah. how i is how i think so <laughs> that's a good but, point I don't know. I like switches too, so yeah. I'm an equal opportunity switch installer. <laughs> so, since you brought it up, can we can we take a second to to briefly uh, touch base on the part of um, the power supply of pedals? From from your perspective as a not just a pedal builder but also a pedal nerd, 
how important is a good power supply and what what should you look after if you're looking for a good power supply are there any kind of indicators that differentiate the good from the from the not so good ones or even the cheap ones what's your advice um well the power supplies are I like best. I guess I'm a little bit more old school. I like, I'm kind of narrow focused. I, I like the old uh, uh, Voodoo Labs pedal power twos. I, I really like those. They were very uh, understandable. They were easy to use, <laughs> you know, and they were isolated. <laughs> and so they didn't cause noises to be injected into the system. Mm -hmm. And um, so I kind of like the little bit more old school stuff. So, but that's not the way that, pedals are going and power supplies are going they're going to the switching power supplies so um i'll, I'll take the new you know pedal power three is a switching power supply type of thing and uh, of course the new uh, all the strymon stuff is so there are lots of good switching power supplies so what i found is that they vary in the amount of noise of course that they in, can inject into your system and how they can talk with certain other high current digital pedals. So um, the, uh, so, you know, some of the, the, the digital pedals by Strymon or Electroharmonics, a variety of other companies, the, when you, when you put those on a, on a switching power supply, sometimes the clock signals between in my pedal and in their pedal in the power supply can kind of talk and, start to sing in an unharmonized fashion and uh, create all kinds of buzzes and whirs. So uh, that's, that's just something we have to kind of go through and check um, all the major power supplies with, you know, so it's, it's a consideration. We try to make sure that um, um, the, the filtering uh, in our pedals uh, blocks out any kind of uh, low frequency stuff like AC hum from, mm -hmm. you know, uh, poor wiring in the house or what have you. And um, then being able to reject uh, high frequency noises that uh, come in through the power supply or from other people's power supplies. So um, you just got to kind of look at it and pay attention to a variety of power supplies. You know what I mean? And you, you can't expect people to use old school transformer type power supplies anymore. So you have to just uh, design around it to to you know take that into consideration hmm. okay so but i just listen for the noise goes into this sorry yeah i just you know if i was a consumer and, and I, I was trying to evaluate power supplies i would probably just get a couple two or three very high current uh digital type pedal of uh, effects pedals and, and plug them into the power supply and then you know crank up the amplifier and listen to the background noise that's generated when the pedals are on and then switch to another power supply and see if you can try to make a comparison oh wow i heard a lot of noises there you know or i didn't you know what i mean and uh, hmm. you know that 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 you know it's not easy to do that experiment you have to have you know a couple power supplies sitting around and you have to have a relatively decent memory of of the amount of noise that you had going you could record it i guess so yeah but and, and evaluate it that way but but you can hear it there's there's a difference between the voodoo labs pedal power three and the pedal power two and there's a difference between the zuma and and the mxr dc brick <laughs> you know they're all they all have different uh different background noises you know mm -hmm. so they're, they're they're all relatively small but okay 
So if you internally are developing a pedal and you want to judge the sound quality, how do you do? How do you A B sounds? Do you just rely on your ears, or do you actually track that with some sort of recorders and then kind of go between variant A and B? Um, I haven't done a lot of uh, recording and listening to them kind of blind like that. That's an interesting kind of uh, way to do it. But uh, no, I think that we're just a, a little bit more rock and roll or a little bit more punk than that. I've got uh, <laughs> I've got a, a guy, Aaron Pierce, that has got a Andy Timmons-like uh, uh, mentality and, and set of ears. <laughs> and uh, so... Um, th those two got along just great when we were developing the pedal. If it, the pedal wouldn't be what it was if it wasn't for Aaron and uh, and Andy uh, getting along as well as they did, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, there's there, uh, my ears used to be pretty darn good, and so when you put both of us together, um, that's that's kind of how we do it. We a lot of A/B testing, and then uh, testing on different guitars, amplifiers, and and power supplies. So. But no, we're we're not. Um, I haven't started recording samples and then trying to listen to them back to see <laughs> if I can second guess it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh you absolutely idea, should. Though. You could create some kind of. I know. Nerd database. Yeah, that sounds like a it sounds sounds like a pretty good idea, bud. <laughs> yeah, I'd uh, I'd watch that video if you made it. You know, the the pedal, yeah. uh, the power supply comparison. No, I think I, w I would like to do something like that because uh, you can, uh, if you if you use pedals that that again draw a lot of current, you can kind of stress the power supplies. Or if you put a digital effects with that, you know, switching power supply, you can sometimes get them to act up. And um, I don't know, you can you can make a difference. It 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 depends on the pedals too, you know. So a certain pedal may or may not you know be noisy with a certain power supply or not. It's it's really hard to tell. <laughs> can we go to the live chat for a question robert is that okay sure um, I, I don't a, yeah uh, i've got it here it's a rather specific question uh from craner right? and he's asked uh have you ever thought about making anything similar to the shin i b1g preamp pedal cheers great question sir and i have absolutely never thought about it because i don't know <laughs> what the <laughs> b1g preamp pedal is so i don't know Neither i don't do have I. any street cred anymore i don't i'm not i'm not cool <laughs> i'm not cool in a lot of books now but um B1G. no i don't know that shanae uh, it's I mean, preamp pedal Shana, Shana, i feel really bad yeah is it I'm just looking. I'm just googling in it. That there is. So they're, they're the guys that did the the the, the Univibe, of course, and um, mm -hmm. B1G. They've done in what looks like a reissue. Uh, I've never heard of this pedal, and, and I'm really sorry for putting you on the spot. But uh, no, that's quite I, all right. I was hoping to learn something. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is in a uh, to quote them. It says it is in effect an analog preamp on par with vintage and modern recording studio channel strips with some added extra added love. That sounds a yeah. bit marketing, but yeah, uh, doesn't really say anything about the pedal at all. But it's um, it looks like it's got one drive knob, so it's a, it's a switch and a drive. There sounds is something pretty attractive about about a, a one knob drive pedal i you know earlier you mentioned andy um how you that your your dream pedal your your dna pedal had uh 
a, a big muff op amp and maybe a little DS one and maybe a little rad, but, um, Oh, the, I, I've thought about for a long time having like a one knob DS one pedal The the oh, tone wow. is okay. fixed. The, uh-huh. the, the, the volume might be handled all at the same time, but, but you know, a big knob <laughs> on a pedal. It's mm. just, a, it's, it's just a one knob DS one. I think that would be a really killer killer pedal <laughs> the ds1 is my favorite pedal of all time and i have 13 yeah. of them so yeah i would happily um happily welcome a big knob ds1 yeah. <laughs> even if you don't build it it will make for a great april fool's joke <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think i i think i can i know a guy who can do that for you <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know to, with the I'll ds1 to... it, it's as much the color as it is mm-hmm. i've got one right here it's as much the color and the classic aesthetic as it is the sound. I, I just feel at home with it. That's this is awesome. Rene. Uh, I bought this used. Someone wrote Rene on it and put some mirror tabs on top. <laughs> and okay. I have no idea why, but this is Rene. If if you um, if you like DS One so much, you got to hear my um, Steve Vai DS One story. Oh yeah, go for it please this is back when i very very first started and i was living out in this mobile home this trailer home and it, that's where the company started in this kojak building outside the the manufactured home but um i i got a call from dave wiener if i'm not mistaken and he was like hey i'm gonna send you steve vice pedals to look at i was like wonderful this is so awesome and uh, about a week or so later, he's like, hey, those pedals get there? And I was like, nope, haven't seen them. And oh, no. meanwhile, at the same time, this gives you a good indication of my character. So at the same time, um, this the, the, the service tech had checked in a couple of DS1 pedals that were like almost glued to this piece of wood. And there was just road and tour grime all over these two ds1 pedals and I, I remember telling the guys i was like oh man that's it you know if people won't put a return address and and they they send us pedals that are so <laughs> dirty you know we're just not gonna look at them yeah. until they tell us who the heck they are who would have the nerve to send us these crappy pedals you know and then oh. so dave calls back like a week later hey you got those pedals yet and i'm like nope <laughs> don't got them. I don't have any pedals from Steve Vai, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it goes back and forth like this for literally like three weeks. And he's like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to get a um, tracking on, on this, you know? And uh, I, I sudden I look around and I'm like, I see something like North Hollywood or Pasadena on there. And I'm like, uh Oh, these are Steve Vai's pedals that I've been dissing <laughs> on for weeks. <laughs> like oh no yeah I got, I got the pedals i'll be back with you in just a bit and so i had so much fun when i got those pedals i put on um that steve Vai live in an ultra world was would just camp was just coming out or i was just becoming aware of it and um i i started uh, coming up with the idea to uh, use the leds mounted externally so you could see them light up when you were creating the distortion so on that seeing eye mod that i did for Steve Vai back then, um, 
that was me just getting the distortion to kind of run up into into that LED uh, that was mounted <laughs> on the tone and uh, come back down. So at any rate, there was it was it was fun because then they they went from being okay, this is the bottom of the barrel, man. We're just you know modding anybody's piece of junk to, oh no. These these were handled by Steve. <laughs> these are magic pedals, you know. But uh, there's there's some <laughs> pictures of them somewhere. But yeah, he had some really cool ones, and they were definitely worn out. He had definitely loved them and stomped mm. on them and everything. Yeah. Those were cool pedals. We were surprised to see that uh, we were at the at the Avai concert. I think three weeks ago. Is that right, Andy? Uh -huh. If, yeah, let's say three weeks. Yeah, and he he we were surprised to see that he went back to using his old like Gemini pedal and old guitars. So kind of him seeing visiting that old stuff from several maybe decades ago, that was that was yeah. pretty interesting uh, to see. And um, I wonder why that was. Was he kind of tonally revisiting dust? Did his ears uh, change? Um, and and that that kind of leads me to a point um, when working with artists. Um, how does the approach in designing the, the, the pedal change for you as a as a, a pedal builder apart from just like having that respected incredible human being that's knocking on your front door and you know trying to get a pedal <laughs> yeah no you bring up a really great point because and that's kind of a, an understanding that i am very glad that i came across when i saw artists switch from using my pedals in the early days to mm -hmm. to another pedal manufacturer or when i lured a, a customer an artist away from somebody else that they had previously been using um my understanding is that if they were really um a musician <laughs> that they would probably get tired of the sound with my pedal and search for something else to find some inspiration. So I, I chose not to get butthurt when um, I, I, somebody would walk away from using my pedals. And I think it served me well because um, like what you said, Dan, was that um, my taste changes and that's gonna totally affect the product that um, that we deliver. If I'm, if I'm not in a, a metal mode, I'm not going to create the best sounding metal pedal or a high gain distortion pedal that, that my team is capable of, you know, that's, that's again, why this, this collaboration with Andy Timmons is so, so golden, such a treat, such a, such a rewarding experience because um, uh, our, our headspace of all the, the creative elements, we're all in the same place, you know, all, mm -hmm. all five of us, you know, we're all in the same place. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's very hard sometimes when it's like, okay, you really been wanting to do, uh, um, you know, some kind of phaser and it's like, well, I'm not, I, I'm tired of phasers, you know, I'm all phasered mm. out. You know, I, the last <laughs> thing I want to do is a univibe, you know, uh, I, I like this other univibe by one of my, <laughs> you know, this guy in Argentina. So, you know, I, it, it is funny because it will, it will, it will definitely, you know, uh, affect your your work um, mm -hmm. if you're trying to design a, a world-class product you know what I mean or something that sounds good I, I mean one of the pedals I kind of point to in my own collection that I've never been really satisfied with we had a pedal called a stall hammer and the the steel hammer the, the stall hammer was a rat pedal with a Marshall tone stack 
instead of the simple filter control is going to have a bass, middle, and treble. And uh, it, it never did turn out right because I didn't get the, you know, I think the tone control kind of brought down the gain level. So it, it didn't become this great rat pedal with a, a great, you know, killer, uh, you know, tone stack in it. It became kind of a little bit anemic in my mind. And to me, it sounds kind of almost sterile because the, the tone brought down, uh, you know, the gain stage and stuff like that. So sometimes when you're, when you're not in the right mood, you know, you can, you can, you know, strike out on a, on a design mm. because you, you weren't, you know, your ears weren't working. You weren't in tune with the style of music or whatever that needed to be done. So yeah, yeah. all those things come into play. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> That's nice to hear that though, because, you know, at least you can be authentic and it, it must be like referring to what you said about how long the halo took to put together and to come from um, conception to actually releasing it there's a danger that you could fall out of love with it you know but having someone like andy involved obviously strongly reduces that that possibility <laughs> yeah yeah but it has happened where by the time the product comes out you're 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 not only it's not that you're tired of it but you've just you've worn yourself out on that sound so you know you just have no choice but to get away from it and clean your ears out and move on to something else you know mm. so <laughs> you don't always have hit singles so <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true that's true yeah well um i think it's time we wrap this up because i i think i need to go away and play this halo pedal for a start but um <laughs> all right yeah um robert thank you so much for joining us on the Shoot, show thank you guys I'm, re I'm ready to make the dna pedal the dan and andy Let's pedal do it <laughs> I, I've, I've changed my mind though i will just have that one knob ds1 on my side please well i'm gonna do that for you 100 <laughs> percent. absolutely convinced me you're gonna be my beta tester on that idea i've been waiting to find the right ds1 guy right <laughs> i'm thinking like you remember the film back to the future where he's going through and turning all the amps up and stuff those, those kind yep. of knobs that would be amazing. sweet oh yeah uh, well maybe maybe it could tick right it so it should be called the flux capacitor yeah, something like that <laughs> something, yes something that or the the disaster one or, or something yeah. there's probably already a pedal called the disaster one I, I I once saw an Austrian band. Uh, they called their compressor. They called it the Leibandizer. And Leiband is Austrian's uh, like dialect for for being great or being exceptional. And uh, you know, so the Leibandizer. I really like. Yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Love good it. one. Leibandizer. Yeah, yeah. Leibandizer. <laughs> Leibandizer. That's even nice to say. That really does. It is. Roll off yeah. The yeah. You'd win with that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have a Leibandizer? Oh. Oh. oh wow! Yeah, you got to check this band Sorry. out. They, they've got a live and Oh, <laughs> right. Um, Dan, would you ask everybody to please leave us five stars feedback when they're uh, feeding back? Of course. If you if you enjoyed that episode of Pedal Peak uh, on the show, uh, please make sure to give us a five star rating on iTunes or on Spotify. Make sure to click and subscribe to Rob's channel. Uh, check out the website. Make sure to test the Halo pedal because it's gorgeous, and I personally can't wait to try mine. Um, yeah. 
And apart from that, just be nice to each other and make sure to tune in next week. We have another great guest. And as for now, Robert, thanks so much for being our guest on Thank the show. You. Thank you, everybody. So very It was nice. a privilege. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you Robert. Thank you so much. Okay, I wish you the best of the rest of your day, and also thank mm -hmm. you to uh, to Aaron as well for helping set this oh, up. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah. yeah, really good fun and quite insightful and chilled. It was lovely chilled. I feel I feel schooled, good. but I feel like you've in a Bob Ross kind of way you've schooled me. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I'll take a Bob Ross compliment. That guy's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm there. Okay, right. uh, thank you for watching, everybody. We will see you next week, as Dan said, and uh, have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.